we're a tight bunch here. People are very loyal. So whilst they can't go to your restaurant and sit and have dinner, they're the feeling is that they're still supporting them with the takeaway model. We've got lots of restaurants just using their own cars to get you food. I think it's just you do what you have to do to get the job done. And I think that's what obviously our hospitality is best known for. We're, we'll, put our, we'll put our best foot forward and do everything we can to, to look after you. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Back in episode three, when talking of the industry's ability to adapt in the face of the pandemic, Jared Ingersoll said, the initiatives that have been triggered are remarkable. They've blown me away that groups of people can mobilize so quickly. It seems to be a trait common to those in the industry. And that ability to adapt is seeing rewards for some now. Paul Baker is the executive chef of the Botanic Gardens restaurant in Adelaide. With takeaway not an option for a restaurant in the middle of a park, he joined forces with his wife to create Chefs on Wheels. And they've been burning rubber ever since. Paul, how are you going? I'm great, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Now, like everyone, your whole uh, career has been turned upside down. Do you want to just quickly run through what has happened in regards to Botanic Gardens Restaurant, which is you know in the middle of the gardens, essentially? Yeah, so obviously we sort of felt the same um, pressure as everyone else with the square meterage rule. And um, and you said, as you t- touched on, being in the middle of Botanic Garden, once the the final sort of curtain was pulled down on us, we didn't really have many other options. So takeaway wasn't an option. And the directors sort of come to the conclusion that sort of closing and putting it on everyone on, you know, um, standby and fight mode, if you like. Um, was probably the best and probably right decision for us. So the restaurant, um, all the staff had been, had been stood down and um, we had to sort of find out what plan B was going to be. Now, I've spoken to you previously just recently and I know you were saying that you actually acted before the closer because you saw it coming. Could you tell us a bit about that and, and why you felt that way? Well, the few weeks leading up, I think it was, Previous to the 23rd of March, when the, you know the, the, it all sort of come to an end, we you know we're talking to friends in Italy and you know in in London, and they were already you know weeks ahead of us, and um, we just we sort of had that impending not impending doom, but you sort of knew that we weren't going to be um, spared of this. Um, so my wife, as she normally does, comes up with these grand ideas that cause me to work lots more and. Um, <laughs> We had this idea that, you know, if this does happen, what are we going to do? And it was a serious question that we had to have. Um, you know, she has a business called Edible Exchange, which um, looks after food and wholesale to, you know, all of our top restaurants here in Adelaide. And, you know, if the restaurant's closed, then what are they going to do? You know, if the, if the Tony Gardens closes, what am I going to do? You know, we still have to feed our child. We still have to pay bills and all those sort of things. So there was this real serious chat that we had to have together. And, you know, she's like, I think I've got an idea. So. Um, a few bottles of wine later, um, she had this idea that let's come up with a plan that the chefs could still service the, um, their customers, but not necessarily in that standard um, takeaway format where it goes out to them hot. And Chefs on Wheels is born. So without the Botanic Gardens restaurant, where are you doing these things? And can you just tell us a bit about what Chefs on Wheels is and who's involved? Uh, so... Chefs on Wheels, I do sort of my part from 
edible exchange. Uh, the rest of the chefs, so you've got Terry from Soy38, Emma McCaskill from Spark Whitmore, uh, Brad from um, Barkamita, who's now up in um, beautiful Harndorf. Um, Kazim Urkoff is doing all of our veg boxes. You may remember him and his brother Ahan from Celsius in Adelaide. He grows veg, grew veg for the restaurant, but now grows veg for a lot of our um, restaurants. Um, beautiful produce, handpicked for everyone. So everyone, you know, does their bit from the restaurant and we pick up in the, the refrigerated vans, bring it back and we nitrogen flush everything. So um, it's chilled down. So you can either keep it in the fridge for up to seven days or you can freeze it. So we do it in 400 grams and in bulk two kilos. So not that hot model where you can get it instantly, but sort of being able to stock up for the week and making it really price, um, um, not, not price inhibited was really the key to it all. Because as this goes on longer, money's going to be harder and harder to come by. So you're used to creating these amazing dishes at the restaurant at the Botanic Gardens, but you know you've have you've had to pivot and change what you do. You know how did you approach the meals that you're creating for this service? Yeah, you're right. There's I can't do that that fancy that fancy food in a two kilo tray, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but there's other things that I sort of approached it in my way was that you know, I cook the things that I love to cook at home. You know, I do. I'm one of those chefs that enjoys cooking at the restaurant and as home just as much. It's you know, I think nothing better than my day off to cook something with my daughter, my wife. So it's kind of those dishes that sort of, are, you know, a classic, but, you know, are super tasty, like a cassoulet or a beautiful tagine. And then it doesn't compete with anybody else. So we've, we've really sort of made sure that was really at, at the front of mind that we just didn't want everyone competing with each other. So, you know, Terry's the best at Thai food. And so why not just Terry? We don't need anybody else. So he can cover all bases there. So... Um, it's a bit of a community. It's um, we look after each other, and you know we drive sales together. And but most of all, we wanted something that you know the customers at home didn't have to leave their house. They could have that same quality, but at home, and they could you know, hit it up at any time of the week. So the chefs that you're working with, they're pretty amazing chefs in Adelaide, and you know, so are they creating the dishes. You're picking them up and then freezing them down, and you're making them at the site as well. Um, and then you're delivering just at the end of the week. Do you want to just tell us about the structure and how people can access? Yeah, so the, the website's all set up, uh, broken down in everyone's different categories. So, um, and, the, and the menus do change weekly. So Terry has obviously got a killer massive curry and the green curry is sort of standard sort of lines. Then you'll see new, like there's a new pork and um, pineapple curry coming out next week. And so it does have that same feel of having a restaurant menu that you can sort of pick from. Um, so they create those dishes. They go live on a Sunday night and then the the system just goes mental. Like everyone just has been on this from day one. We didn't see this coming in, in the, the magnitude from which it has. And so the orders come through Sunday night. For a week, we take the orders. Sun, the following Sunday night, the chefs get their orders. They start preparing everything for everyone. And then from um, Wednesday onwards, we start delivering to um, everyone in the Adelaide metropolitan area. And, is, and they're available to come in. Um, pick up from the warehouse as well. What's been some of the issues that you faced trying to pull this together and pull it off given that, you know, it's new territory for you? Oh, where do I start? We've tripped over, hit our heads, grazed our knees, we've cried, we've laughed, we've done so many things. It's you'd never expect to have to build a business with on four days notice and then go to maximum capacity three days after that. It's fraught with every bit of danger you can imagine. Um, I think we've sat there and cried so many times of just how we, we would get there at six in the morning and not leave until 2am 
and then try and work on a strategy on how to make that more efficient. So the people of Adelaide have been so fantastic to us. And, you know, our first week, we were just, you know, we got it out, we got the product done, but it's just, we don't know how we did it. Like, it feels like this has been going for two years. We've had such little sleep, um, but we've got out such an amazing product in such a short amount of time, but we didn't have time to act. It was, you know, there wasn't this whole chance to, you know, we'll do a few test orders and, you know, the, this whole COVID-19 thing just made you have to react fast. And, you know, hospitality, you know, we are fighters and we know what we have to do to survive. And that's just work harder. Um, there's 25 hours in a day and you just have to use every one of them. Now, like some of the service you're providing is for the healthcare workers as well. And they're ordering from you and they're sort of such unsung heroes in this pandemic. Uh, do you have any stories of um, feeding those people? Oh, we've... We've got um, quite a few friends in the medical fraternity. So the, the word got out pretty quickly of what we were doing and their need to have food there on hand they can take to work reheat really quickly. But we have ambulances pulling up. Just It's not for the people in the back, by the way. Um, it's definitely for, for our um, paramedics. And, you know, what they're doing is just, you know, phenomenal. We, you know, we obviously can't thank them enough. Um, but being able to provide a service where they can have food stocked up at home and um, being able to not have to worry about going to the shop. So we, you know, we've organized everything from, you know, your croissants to veg boxes to ready-made food. So that ability not to have to go and risk yourself going to the shops or whatever it might be is being completely eliminated. Can you give us a scale of the operation? You know, you had to basically come up with this business plan and execute it immediately. And as you say, you're working incredible hours. What's the scale of the business? So, so currently we're at three, three days delivery a week. And from the first week, we did 130 deliveries on the first day. Um, it was 130 the next day. And then the website kept, just kept going. Um, in, the, in our first week, we did about, I think we did close to 400 deliveries in our first week. We were like the MyGov website. We just, we had to keep turning it off to try and just halt what we're doing, trying to, trying to take a deep breath, then turn it back on. It was just, we just couldn't believe the uptake that we had received. Um, you know, we, we asked everyone, everyone, we called in every favor we had. Um, people were just throwing support behind us, left, right, and center. Like every um, graphic designer, when you wanted to help with the logos, we had photographers trying to help us, you know, take pictures of the food and um, so much support. Like I didn't even know, I wouldn't even know where to start thanking people by name. Um, but I think they all know who they are. Um, but we knew we had the right model. We just had to get it to everyone, but we just didn't, we thought the first week, you know, we'll get a few orders. It'll be a good way to, you know, start some cash flow for everybody. And, but we didn't expect to go to 100% or 150% capacity just like that. So who are you employing? Um, the chefs are, so the, the likes of Terry and Emma and Brad, they've still got their staff and doing this was ability for them to help retain stuff. And they were obviously back then there was no job keeper. It was everyone was on the dole. So there was some real uncertainty of, how you would pay your staff if you tried to keep them on. And this was really a way to be able to do that. If it was a few hundred dollars, a few thousand dollars a week or whatever it might be, all of that was better than what was being offered at the time. I think we're all glued to every Morrison um, press conference, just trying to wait for some sort of support or some idea of where you would go next. And I sort of think that Chefs on Wheels for us was kind of the only direction that we had given the, the circumstance so um i've been able to bring back a few of my chefs from the sandy gardens um the staff at edible exchange are doing all the driving 
Um, we've had staff from other businesses come in and help out do packing. So, um, you know, we've got a few staff that are on um, visas. They're, they don't get support. So they were the first people we had to try and find work for. Are you saying earlier that you're on top of deliveries? And, and do you want to just tell us a bit, are you on top of the production and how does the management of a business like this compare to running an award-winning restaurant? Well, the scale's completely different. Um, it's... The only good thing is that the service, you know, you have to be ready by 12 o'clock for service. When you're doing catering like this, you can just work all through the night. It's, um, you know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, with the manager of some of this, it's, it's, um, it's hard. It's, um, to start off with, you, you sort of everyone's trying to do everything. So everyone's trying to help out, which is a good thing, but it also, you know, comes with its, its dangers as well. Like, you know, when you, you think you've done, you've done something, but then someone else thought they did it as well. And, so I was really trying to tighten those things up at the start was um, because you can't knock back anyone's help. Everyone's there with the right purpose. Um, everyone means well and you just take everyone's help when you're in that situation. And then now it's been trying to unwind that and really trying to get the right people in the right roles and so we can make this super efficient And because, you know, we sort of get the feeling this is going to go on for a little while and we really want this to be a bit of a, a, a long-term um, fix for a lot of people. and. Um, we've got repeat customers. We've we would been five weeks, four weeks in, and we'd already had people who are under their fifth or sixth delivery. So um, they're the sort of things that sort of give you that little shot in the arm to keep going that you were on the right track. How do you think the industry as a whole has adapted in Adelaide to the current crisis? The the, the takeaway here is going off. You drive to, if you drive down some of our main streets, the the sides of the roads are littered with delivery drivers. Like I think I speak to a lot of people and I've got a lot of friends that are, are bakers and you know, trying to get some of them on board for Chefs on Wheels, they're at capacity already. So you know, we're, we're a tight bunch here. Um, people are very loyal. So whilst they can't go to your restaurant and sit and have dinner, the feeling is that they're still supporting them with the takeaway model. We've got lots of restaurants just using their own cars to get you food. I think it's just you do what you have to do to get the job done. And I think that's what obviously our hospitality is best known for. We're, we'll put our we'll put our best foot forward and do everything we can to, to look after you. Do you think this experience will change what you do in food after this with the restaurant? It's really hard to tell. It's, it, it, the longer this goes, I guess it's the longer this goes on, the more things will probably end up having to change. Um, I don't know if I'm you know really educated enough to know what the, the financial situation of the country will look like in six, nine, 12 months. Um, or what everyone's going to feel like with sitting near someone or knowing that someone shared that piece of cutlery with you. It's, um, it's really, really hard to tell. And I think the more I think about what the long-term effects would be, the more I get upset. So I think keeping it semi-short-term and looking at the positives that we have now, um, I think once people felt secure that you know, the job keeper was coming out, that everyone sort of just took a bit of a breath and, a lot of people I speak to are not crazily upset with the way it is now. You get to spend time with your family and, you know, the takeaway model is nowhere near as stressful as having to be under that that pressure of service where, you know, it really is a point of, am I going to get through this tonight, you know? So there, there's some positives to take out of it and trying to predict what's going to happen in the future or how long this is going to go on for is just impossible. Now, you've created a business model that in its own right can stand still perhaps in any climate 
So with a lot of restaurants pivoting to takeaway temporarily, you've gone a different way and created another business. What's going to happen at the end of this? Are you going to go back into restaurants? Are you going to continue with this business? Well, I hope, I hope the restaurant still survives. Um, it's, it's really too hard to tell. Like if, the, if this was all over next week, we'd straight back to the restaurant. But, um, you know, that's also, it's a, that decision is kind of out of my hands. You know, there's a, owners and directors of that restaurant and that will be their decision and we'll, you know, cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, you know, the, the whole Chefs on Wheels thing has been a, a fantastic success because it's a sum of all of its parts, you know. Without the Terry's and the Emmers and um, the Kamitas and Abbots and Kenny and all the people that come to bring this thing together, it, w- it was a team effort to get it to where it is now. And, you know, we will try and keep evolving it. Um, you know, my wife and um, her business partner in Edible Exchange, Jimmy, you know, that, that's still, there's a ravioli business inside there as well that, you know, we're creating past loans. We can get to later on in this. It's, um, the model is sustainable. Whether I'm a part of that or not will, will not matter. Um, it'll it'll keep going. The you know once if one chef is something else they want to do, we can bring someone else on that you know has the same ethos as and you know really adds something to what we do. There's a tone in your voice when you speak of the restaurant that you can't work in anymore, and it's a, it's a tone of yearning. You know, um, what do you miss most about the restaurant? Oh, I miss that beautiful garden. Um, it's such a beautiful place. It's like. You don't realize how lucky you are to work somewhere like that until you don't have it, um, where you can just walk out, pick what you need, walk back into the restaurant. You, you're, you're struggling for an idea. You wander around there and things just start coming to you. That actually really, really hurts sometimes. It's, um, and knowing that, you know, that will come back one day, you know, it helps you get through those big days. Um, but it is, it is an absolute honor to work in a place like that. Um, and for six years, it's been my life. So um, the thought of that not being able to go back to that one day does actually, you know, choke you up a little bit. And I think a lot of people have those same thoughts. It's when the more you think about the long term in this situation, the you know the harder it is. You think about the short term, it's easier to get through. What do you hope to see on the other side of this? Hoping that it's soon. You know, what sort of restaurant industry, and um, what sort of hope do you think there is out there for you know? A robust industry. Oh, I think this has given us a lot of time to reflect. Um, there's a lot of things about our industry that is very wrong that you know that we need to really use this time to address. Like I think the wage theft thing was really becoming you know headline after headline after headline. Like we've all you know we all know what the old school was like, and you know family was always put second to your career and the restaurants and you know what what that entailed and. I think now the priority is going back to spending time with your family. It's been, you know, it's been amazing to be able to take my daughter for a walk you know, twice a day sometimes. And, um, you know, I think it's getting balanced back. I think we really created an industry that relied so heavily on everyone putting in extra, putting in extra and doing things for nothing. And, you know, it really become a bit of a circle jerk where, you know, we can't charge enough for what we do. We can't pay people enough for what they do. You know, it just keeps going around and round and round. And um, at some point, it'd be hopefully this could be a way of really just balancing that back out. And to make four percent, five percent at the end of it, like who, who does that? Why, are we crazy? I don't really understand sometimes. Well, why do you do it? Why do we do it? We must just really love it. But it's I don't know. I wouldn't want to do anything else though. That's the thing. 
I think we are just crazy. You've just got to be a little bit crazy to work in this industry, just a little bit. You were speaking quite beautifully about, you know, the, your restaurant in the sense that you're growing stuff there that you can go out and pick and use and that sort of real connection with your produce. But you're also um, a champion of South Australian producers and, you know, there's a lot of fantastic South Australian producers. Um, how, have the, how have they been affected by this pandemic, the ones that you work with closely? Yeah, they're the hard conversations as well. It's, you know, you sort of think about yourself and, you know, the restaurant's not there and how will I pay? This, the producers are in the same business. Like we, they, they need us as much as we need them. And, um, you know, they've still got to feed their stock. They've still got to, you know, um, pay their bills. And they're in the same boat where they're, and, and winemakers are exactly the same. Like we're, South Australia, we're very lucky. But we have a one degree of separation between, you know, almost everything that comes into our restaurant. Um, so talking to winemakers and talking to our beef and chicken producers, they're, they're all hurting just as much as we are. They just had the, the light switched off as well. Um, and trying to find ways of incorporating them into Chefs on Wheels as well was, you know, definitely part of the plan. Like Terry and Emma, they all use you know, local producers as well. I've designed a pasta range now that incorporates Mayura Station and wood, Woodside um, Goats Curd and just trying to find ways to help everyone like we can't help everyone that's the hard bit as well it's there's only so much that we can take on board the the site so it's just trying to find little ways here and there that we can just keep supporting each other the way we did before this all happened is there anything you think that people can do to help those producers just trying to keep buying from them they're all you know they're all at farmers like this their products it's all still available it's just seeking them out is the, the thing it makes every time you you know shopping on if you you can shop online for them. You can, you know, we've got great supermarkets here at, um, you know, the, the Foodlands, and they stock a lot of good local produce. So it's it's making sure you grab a hold of one of them first before you go for something else like that. We're very parochial sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad. But now's the time to really buy from your local producer. I think you know that was really really important before, and it's even more important now because we want them there for when things get better for the other side of this. And once they're gone, they're gone. It's really hard. You know, they can't, they can't just start again sometimes. Or what do you do with all your stock? It's, um, we've got some of the best produce here and it'll be gone if we don't support it. What's it going to feel like when you get to stand at the pass for the first time and cook for a full restaurant? I don't know. That's, it's going to feel weird. It's like, and that's the thing. How do we turn the lights back on there? It's, um, it's going to be gradual. Um, it's going to feel great, but I just don't know how we get there. I just, it's, it's a really sort of uncertain time. It's, um, it's going to be feel great to be able to get back into that kitchen though. What have you learned from this experience then? Oh, the resiliency of people like, you know, I, when the chips are down, you really get to see what, what people are made of. And, um, we're surrounded by some amazing people it's in the industry in South Australia. There's, just so many good people here that, you know, are willing to give you the shirt off their back. They're willing to um, do whatever it takes to help get you to where you need to go. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, it's, I don't really know. It's, sometimes you, you think about this stuff too much, you just really just get caught up and you just, I know you, you just want to see the sunshine at the end of the at the end of the rainbow here. Um, 
but we'll all get there. It's um, it's it's not going to be easy. So, what's the next steps for Chefs on Wheels? It's um, a business model that you thought could work, and it's exploded. Um, what's what's going to happen in the next period for that? Oh, look, I think we just want to grow it a bit further. I think that um, we've, we've now gone to four, starting next week. We're now going to four days a week deliveries. Um, so that um, helps out a little bit more trying trying to narrow it down to three days a week. And so the Adelaide is um, really hard. So four days now will really help that out. Five days is going to be definitely our, our end goal, that five days a week you could either have it delivered or picked up. Um, and really just keep trying to grow the base and, and making sure that we are delivering the product that we want everyone to have. Um, iron out, you know, we're pretty close to ironing everything out now. We're not finding those little, those little problems here that you would have addressed quite easily had you had the lead in time. Um, and we'll just keep rotating the dishes. We'll keep it interesting for everyone, keep it fresh. Um, it's so it doesn't get stale for people. I just don't want everyone to get bored. What positive do you hope comes out of all of this? Balance. I think what I hope mostly comes out of this is that we sort of just hit the reset button and just think, you know, what what's the most important thing to us? Of course, our career is important, and we, you know, we love doing what we do. Um, but our families, you know, having friends outside of the industry that you know you had going through school, but you lost once you started doing your apprenticeship. Yeah, you know, trying to get some of those values back. I think um, the things that I really hope we get out of this. Uh, we're, we're still going to have an industry. It's still going to be there. But I hope it's just one that, you know, we all get to do the things that we want to do in life, not the things that we kind of have to do to um, to survive and um, we, think we, we think we have to do to, as part of our job. Well, mate, it's really great to hear um, someone, you know, doing something positive and also successful out of pretty dire circumstances. I really appreciate you talking to us. Um, keep in touch. Look forward to hearing the fact that you're doing five days a week and um, we'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Thank you very much. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospital community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Stay safe, isolate and be well.